going to be a live stream tonight at Ocean County Baptist Church. We're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2. So if you want to open your Bibles up, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to share a message entitled Extended Ministry on 2 Timothy chapter 2. While you're opening your Bible and getting ready for the preaching, uh, here's a couple announcements. We made these this morning. We want to make sure you know about it. This next Sunday is March the 7th. And so uh, we're going to be having uh, at 9 a.m. in-person worship and live stream and also children's church. And so uh, we want you to be here, uh, bring your children along so they can go in for a children's church. Uh, it's the first Sunday of the month, so we're going to be having communion together. And that'll be exciting because we haven't had communion in a couple months now. And uh, so that'll be at 9 a.m. in-person live stream in Children's Church. And then at 10.30 will be in-person worship only. And then at 4.30 in the afternoon, we have choir practice. If you've been in the choir and you like to sing uh, in the choir again, uh, be sure to be here at 4.30. We want to start putting some music together for for Easter, which Easter is only about four weeks away. And so we want to uh, be ready to worship and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that'll be choir practice at 4.30. At 5.30, we'll have discussion panel. And that discussion panel will be uh, in person and also live stream. And right after the discussion panel at 6 o'clock will be our evening worship service. Uh, that will be in person and live stream also. We're asking you to be sure to wear masks when you come into the church. And uh, certainly we want you to uh, make sure your hands are sanitized and keep your social distancing and, you know, all the protocols. Uh, we've been dealing with this and putting up with this stuff for the last year. And so uh, be mindful of others. And uh, we want to make sure that you're healthy and that we all stay healthy. Uh, but we're not going to be uh, walking around in fear, uh, defeatism. We're not certainly going to be succumbing to uh, governmental mandates that hinder our ability to worship. We want to come together and celebrate our Savior. We want to come together and rejoice in the God that gives us victory in every area of our life. And so we want to come in with a great spirit of expectation and hope as we gather together again uh, to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, extended ministry, 2 Timothy chapter 2 in verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also, uh, thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of, his, of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Uh, it's a joy to be able to gather together around the Word of God, uh, whether it be in person worship together or whether it be live stream. We're just thankful, Lord, 
that we have the Bible in front of us and that we can open it up and study it and uh, make some sound practical applications into our life. And so we pray, Lord, that this time will be profitable tonight. May we learn some uh, simple principles and how we can extend ministry to others. And uh, Lord, may your name be exalted and lifted up. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 2. It says, And the things that thou hast heard of, of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Uh, one of the great principles of Christianity is this matter of growing in the Lord, or we often call it discipleship. And certainly when we talk about ministry, ministry is people. Uh, ministry is not this building. Uh, it's not uh, with programs that we can coordinate and organize. Ministry is people, us giving people the word of God, uh, us reaching out to others and sharing the gospel with them. It is God's people always being mindful that there's other people that need to, to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so our focus is to extend our ministry. One of the difficulties that we've had in this last year with this whole thing with COVID is that people are scattered everywhere. People aren't in the church. People aren't gathered together. How do you do ministry with others when you're not connected with others? How can you extend the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to others when you're not interacting with others? And we, we have, we've literally, we have allowed ourselves to kind of uh, drift and withdraw away from ministry opportunities. And I think as we're opening back up now and as we're getting this in-person uh, worship going and uh, we're going to be uh, establishing opportunities to minister to others, whether it be soul-winning events or whether it be discipleship one-on-one, -on -one, uh, I know this, we can't live a life consumed with fear that causes us to withdraw and hide away from other people. Because if you're not connected with people, you can't do ministry. And so a great principle all the way through the Word of God, it's this matter of Christian growth in reference to uh, discipleship. What is it? It's people investing time into the lives of others. And uh, certainly no one's going to grow and mature in their faith. No one's going to be able to be able to be secure in who they are in Christ if they're not growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the most powerful way for that to take place is for believers who are growing in the Lord, who are mature in Christ, investing time in other people to help them to grow in their faith. Jesus, it's interesting, Jesus spent three years with his disciples just preparing them for ministry. And uh, we often think, okay, well, somebody can pray. To, they prayed a prayer and they got saved and we, we saw them get baptized. They ought to be okay. <laughs> no, if we lead someone to the Lord, we need to invest time in that individual to help them to be able to mature in their faith. Oftentimes, people are led to faith in Christ, and that's just the extent of it. And uh, I know over the years, we've been pretty good uh, as far as fundamental independent Baptist churches. We've been pretty good at evangelization, 
getting out on the streets and leading people to the Lord and getting them saved and getting them baptized. But I think one area that we've failed a lot, very much so, is this matter of discipleship. Uh, because that soul that gets saved needs to be nurtured. That soul that gets saved needs to be uh, uh, groomed, as it were, spiritually, so that they might become like Jesus Christ. And that's where the work comes in. That's where the ministry comes in. That's where the time of, in, of investing a time in somebody's life comes in. So we need to extend ministry to them. Uh, the Apostle Paul challenges us uh, with this concept of extended ministry. That's why verse 2 is our text. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And so very clearly he is focusing on something that is beyond the matter of just getting people saved. Uh, and he's focusing on this matter of extending our life, our ministry to others and helping them to grow in their walk with God also. So here's uh, four points in this passage that we look at on this matter of extended ministry. Number one is it's generational. Uh, that's why he says the things that thou hast heard among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. It's not just you leading somebody to the Lord and that's it, but it's you leading someone to the Lord, they growing in their faith and they leading someone to the Lord and helping them grow in their faith and then they lead somebody to the Lord. It's generational and it is, it is not sufficient for us to lead somebody to Christ and be content to watch them stop coming to church. It is not, uh, it is not certainly scriptural uh, for us to see our young children go to church in Sunday school and then when they become teenagers or young adults, they get out of church and turn their back on God. That's not scriptural. Uh, this matter of extended ministry is generational. It goes from one person to another person so they can go to another person so they can go to another person. And so generational. Notice he says this is a confirmed witness. He said, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. And so to be able to testify of the fact of the will and the, and the grace and the way of God working in somebody's life. In Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the, of the throne of God, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so our job uh, as a Christian is more than just leading someone to the Lord, but our job as a Christian is to live a life that is a witness, that is a testimony 
it is a revelation, if you will, of the will and the working of God in our life to help that new believer to understand that he is surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses. And, uh, and he needs to show forth the joy of the Lord in this matter of what it means to be a Christian. And uh, I think one of the uh, most sobering things that happens to us when we get saved, and really when it hit me, was the fact that because you're saved, because your life is different, there's a lot of people that are looking at you. And you think of somebody when they first get saved, uh, they have a family, extended family that are unsaved, uh, and they know nothing about salvation, about the grace of God, and then they come to faith in Christ. There's, there's a whole family and extended family and friends and co-workers that this one person is in contact with that are watching to see if this will, in fact, change something in their life. I remember, uh, of course, when I was first got saved, they all, the, my testimony was this. Uh, people would see me and they would say, my friends would say, Mike, which way is the wind blowing today? Uh, because I was always going after and running after and uh, chasing after anything, trying to make a dollar, trying to get ahead. Uh, I went, first, I want this thing and then I'm focused on this thing. And then I got saved. And the amazing thing is when I got saved, the attitude is, was, well, we'll see how long this lasts. And so there is a witness. Paul says, now, wait a minute. Uh, you know that you have heard much about me. You have witnessed much about me. And the things that you've heard about me and you witnessed about me is to be shared with others. There's a confirmed witness. And so being able to let our lives uh, shine before men and uh, so that they might be able to see the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that takes time, that takes effort, and that is to be from generation to generation and generation. Our young people, we have seniors that are going to be graduating from our Christian school this year. And I, I often think about it every year when it starts to draw nigh to graduation is what type of a testimony will these young people have, these seniors who are graduating from our Christian school, what type of a witness, what type of a testimony will they have that will impact others for Jesus Christ? The sad thing is, the amazing thing is, is that we oftentimes don't think in that mindset. Uh, we just think, well, we're going to get out in the world, we're going to do our thing, we're going to live our life. But no, the Christian life is more than that. The Christian life is a life that extends ministry to others because they're are people watching us? So what type of a witness, what type of a testimony are you showing forth? So it's generational. Every generation needs to show forth that testimony. So it's confirmed witness. I see another thing here with this matter of extending ministry. It goes to a confident student. Notice in verse 2 it says, "...and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou..." to faithful men, a confident student. And, uh, you know, you can't force people to learn. You can't force people to desire God. Uh, that has to come from within. And if someone has a heart to desiring 
uh, full-heartedly who Christ is and what their life is as a Christian, they'll have the confidence to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 122 in uh, verse 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. That's a confident student. And my wife and I got saved, and uh, we didn't know anything really. I mean, we were both went to church and Sunday school as kids, and churches we grew up in did not tell us how to be saved. But I'm going to tell you, when we got saved, we got a good dose. We wanted to know what the Word of God has to say. And we would come to church with our Bible and our notebook, and we'd write every verse down and uh, be able to record everything and go home and study it. Uh, we were a confident student. The things that we were learning uh, were being committed to us, and we were growing in those things because we were faithful to worship. We were faithful to discipleship. We were faithful to connecting with other believers in the church. We didn't get saved and say, well, I don't want to go to church. We didn't get saved and say, well, I don't want to hang out with Christians. We didn't, we didn't get saved and say, okay, well, I'm just going to continue to live my life how I've been living my life. No, there was a faithful witness that caused us to be faithful in our desire to know who Christ is. And so this matter of investing time and effort into somebody, extending ministry, involves not just a confirmed witness, but a confident student. Uh, yeah, the person you're trying to disciple has to have a desire for God also. Because you can't make somebody spiritual. I preach every Sunday. I preach 52 weeks out of the year. I'm preaching uh, I preach on Wednesday nights. I preach in chapel for our Christian school. I'm going to be preaching down in Delaware uh, coming up uh, March the 21st for a revival meeting down there. I preach all the time. But I can tell you one thing right now. My preaching cannot make anybody spiritual if they do not desire to want to know who God is. Investing time in faithful men, investing time in people who are hungry. How hungry are you for God? We're getting ready to open up in-person worship. We're getting ready to get our choir going again, Sunday school going again, all these things, planning on vacation Bible school for this summer. Uh, listen, how hungry, how hungry are you? To be able to be a part of what God is doing, extending ministry to others. So steadfast, no, that's the next point. Uh, confident witness, I'm sorry, confirmed witness, a confident student, and a continual instruction. Uh, the same commit that of faithful men, it says in verse 2, who shall be able to teach others also. And so continual instruction, uh, being willing uh, take the things that you learn and teach somebody else. It is not a matter of coming up with your own ideas or sharing your own pet peeves. It is about sharing what the Word of God has to say. Lamentations 5 and 19 says, Thou, O Lord, remainest forever thy throne from generation to generation. And so Jesus said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the, the amazing thing is this, the message that we have, the instruction that we give is the same from person to person to person. So you lead somebody to the Lord, 
the message you share with them is the message somebody else will share with you that got saved. You disciple somebody in Christ, and so you show them how, that they need to be baptized. What did, where did that come from? Somebody taught you out of the word of God that you needed to be baptized. Uh, you show them from the word of God that they need to be a member of the church. Well, where did that come from? Somebody taught you that you need to be a member of the church. You teach them how to separate from the sinfulness and wickedness of the world. Well, where did you get that idea? Somebody else taught the word of God to you. It is generational. It continues the instruction from one person to the next person to the next person to the next person. And when it stops going from person to person, we have lost our ability to enjoy an extended ministry. And so Paul says it's generational. I see verse 3 and 4 that it's confrontational. Notice in verse 3, it says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, and no man that warreth entangled himself with affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And so confrontational. Uh, a soldier, someone goes into military, they go, don't go into military thinking in their minds, well, I'm glad I'll never have to confront an enemy. <laughs> because you're going in the military, you're going to confront an enemy. Your life is going to be confrontational. And as a Christian, don't think for one minute that your life is not going to be confrontational. Just the fact that you say you're a Christian, you've already set up a confrontational situation. Just because you say, God says thou shalt not, so I'm not going to do that, right away you have a confrontational situation. And so Paul is saying on this matter of extended ministry, we have to help people understand that you're going to have to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So, first of all, letter A there would be this. There has to be a steadfast resolve. It has to be a steadfast resolve. Thou therefore endure hardness. This matter of enduring is resolving that you're going to keep going on. Just turn over one page to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4 in verse 3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. Do the work of evangelists, make full proof of thy ministry. What is he saying? There has to be a steadfast resolve. That, hey, uh, all right, we've had to lock down because of some health issues and this, that, and the other, and now we're opening back up again when different people say, well, I'm not going to go back to church. What, what, what's your resolve? Is it your resolve? Well, uh, well, if you go back to church, there may be problems, there may be difficulties, there may be things we need to under overcome. Well, wait a minute. Yes, it is confrontational. And there must be a steadfast resolve that no matter what I may face as a Christian, I want to continue on living as a Christian. People may not endure sound doctrine, but I can endure it. People may not like the fact that we're to, uh, 
turn our ears away from those that are just trying to itch our ears while we listen to truth. I understand that's confrontational, but that's what the Christian life is. An extended ministry always creates a confrontational situation. So you need to have the resolve on your heart and in your mind that no matter what goes on, that you're going to continue moving ahead for Christ. You cannot allow anything to come in to stop and to block and to hinder your ability to grow in Jesus Christ. And may I take it one step further because we're talking about extended ministry. You cannot let anything come in your life that's going to hinder your ability to help others in their faith that they might be secure in Christ. That requires of us to have a steadfast resolve. And so that means when church is open, I'm going to be in church. That means when I have the opportunity to go soul winning, I'm going to go soul winning. That means when I lead someone to the Lord, I'm going to do what is necessary to set up discipleship with that person. There has to be a steadfast resolve that we're going to extend this matter of life and ministry to others. So it's a steadfast resolve. I see it's a solid soldier because he says, how are you supposed to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ? And a good soldier is uh, one uh, who follows the commands of his uh, commander. He is one who understands what is required of him Joshua 1.9 says, Have not I commanded thee, and may I say that, as the Lord is the Lord of the host, and we are as soldiers following the Lord Jesus Christ, he's the one who gives the commands. It says, I have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, and be not afraid. Uh, that's not a suggestion, that's a command that comes from our commanding officer. I have not, I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage and be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. So you need to be a solid soldier. You need to be secure in who you are. I know when I was in boot camp in the Marine Corps, one of the things they did is cause you to learn where your security is. And they tear you down from everything that you are before you become a Marine and build you up as a faithful team, as a faithful platoon, as a faithful warrior, uh, supporting and encouraging and trusting each other, a solid soldier. And that's the way we're supposed to be living our life as a Christian. It's, a, it's amazing how quickly Christians turn their backs on other Christians. A problem comes, a difficulty comes, and we flee and we run away. That's not being a solid soldier. That's not extending ministry to others. And so we need to be steadfast, resolved. We might need to be a solid soldier. Then in verse 4, we need to be separated completely. Notice in verse 4, No man that warreth entangleth himself with affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him, to be a soldier, and so separated completely. Notice it's a focused on the battle. The soldier, as he is trained to do battle, his life is consumed 
and focusing on that battle. Philippians 3.14, Paul said, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He had one focus. And the focus he had was Jesus Christ. And we as believers in Christ, if we're going to be able to extend ministry to help others, then we need to be focused on the battle that God has put us in. And uh, we, don't, we don't entangle ourselves with the things of this life. I, I see the struggle. I'll tell you, I've been watching this. I've watched this for 35 years. I see the struggle. The struggle is... Do I go and be a part of everything that the world is doing and try to fit my life as a Christian in there? And there's this conflict. There's this bucking of heads together because the world's wanting to go one way. Christ wants us to go another way. And all we do is get entangled with the things of the world and wonder why we cannot, we cannot uh, be able to fulfill the desire of Christ uh, and it's because that we have lost the sense of being totally separated on the Christ and Christ alone. I remember I was in the Marine Corps in ITR training. I was down at Camp Geiger, and uh, I was down there. We were out uh, doing war games and marching all day long and everything else, and I got sunburned. And uh, when I came in, uh, after we had been out all day, we came in to get cleaned up and get uh, change to get ready for dinner, uh, the troop handler called me. He said, why go get in here? And I was like, oh, man, what did I do now? And so I got over there. I went over and said, sir, what? You know, Private Waggle reporting is ordered, sir. And uh, he said, you know, I can have you court-martialed. And I thought, good night. What did I do? I said, court-martialed. I said, what did I do to get court-martialed? He said, you're sunburned. That's destruction of government property. You're owned by the United States government. Get rid of it. I was like, well, sir, you're the one that marched me around all day, got me sunburned. And what was he trying to impress? My life is not my own as a Marine. I am owned by the government. I am controlled by what my superior officers desire for me to do. I cannot live my life consumed with the things that are in the world. There were things that went on in my family. There were uh, 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 recreational things that friends of mine and family members were doing when I was in the service that I could not do. Why? Because I was a soldier in the Marine Corps. And as a soldier in the Marine Corps, I could not entangle myself with the things of this world because then I would not be prepared for the battle, the focus of the battle. Solid soldier, and so I have to stay focused. You have to stay focused. You're a Christian, and as a Christian, God's called us to impact other people's lives. That means your life is going to be different. Your life of, of a surrender and commitment to Christ is going to outweigh your entanglement with the things in the world. Completely separated com completely means that you're focused on the battle. But it also means that you're faithful to our leader. Faithful to our leader says that you may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And God, listen, God wants us to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I was looking through the New Testament. You realize this, 20 times, 
20 times in the New Testament, Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. And I think sometimes we forget our life is not to get a ticket of security to go to heaven and then live in the world. Our life is to be surrendered to following the one who has saved us and delivered us from the bondage of sin. Our life is to be totally and completely surrendered to him and him alone. Why? Because that's how I'm going to be able to overcome the confrontational aspect of my life as a soldier of Jesus Christ. I have to be completely focused on the battle and I need to be faithful to my leader, Jesus Christ. So I see this matter of extended ministry is generational. It's confrontational. Then in verse 5, I put down recreational. Notice in verse 5, it says, And if a man also strive for masteries, now he's talking about uh, competing like in Olympic game type things and this, that, and the other. That's why I called it recreational. If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. So notice, first of all, we need to be willing, I just put down this matter of facing competition. Uh, you, you do understand there is a great competition, and that's the devil's battling for the souls of men and women and boys and girls. You do understand there's a great competition because the devil wants to do whatever he can to trip up believers so that they fall by the wayside. You do understand there is a great competition in that the devil, the flesh, and the world is all designed and all focused on destroying the testimony of anybody who claims Christ as their Savior. And so you need to be willing to face the competition. First Corinthians, if you want to turn over there, First Corinthians chapter 9 in verse 23, Paul deals with this whole concept of being involved in the race, competing for the prize. Notice uh, facing the competition, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 23 says, And this I do for the gospel's sake. You say, well, why would we be involved in extending ministry to others? Why would we put forth such an effort to do these things that Paul's challenging Timothy to do? For the gospel's sake, that's why. Paul says, so, um, and this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all. In other words, everybody's in the race. But one receiveth the prize. There's only one winner. Paul certainly wasn't writing in 2021 in America where everybody has to be a winner. Every, I, I can't stand it. Everybody's got to get make, feel good about themselves. And the person who worked hard and the person who put the most effort in and the person who wins and takes first place is to be downplayed because we don't want to hurt somebody else's feelings. Well, listen, everybody runs, but only one receives the prize. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. 
I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body, and bringing it as an objection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What is Paul saying? He was willing to face the competition. Are you, listen, this world's competing for your soul. This world's competing for that person that you led to Christ. The devil's competing for the one that is lost and you're trying to lead to Christ. And so we got to get in the race and we need to strive to win. And so facing the competition, you're not going to win if you don't face the competition. There's all kinds of aspects about that. You ought to, the competition, you ought to understand their motives. You need to understand their methods. You need to understand uh, 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 how, how they will manipulate and trick circumstances in order to be able to win the prize. So facing competition. Familiar with the crown. In uh, verse 5, he says, If any man strive for masteries, that's everybody needs to get in the race, Yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. So familiar with the crown. In other words, know what it takes to win. In uh, Philippians 3.8, Paul said, Yet doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. You need to get familiar with what's the prize. What's the crown? What's the reward? And certainly as a Christian, our rewards that we have stored up in heaven far outweighs anything in this world. And so thinking of this, we need to face the competition. We need to be familiar with the crown or the reward. And then we need to be fashioned lawfully. It says, except, here in verse 5, except he strive lawfully. In other words, you don't cheat. Uh, in other words, you don't break the law of God. You don't violate the principles that are in the word of God. Look over in Galatians. I thought this was kind of interesting as I was putting this together. In Galatians chapter 2, several verses here talking about striving lawfully. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 21, Paul says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So when we talk about being spiritual, we're talking about extending ministry. We're talking about helping people mature in Christ. Well, let's not frustrate the grace of God. Let's not frustrate the righteousness that we receive through Jesus Christ. I don't frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Why is he saying that? Because nobody's kept every part of the law. If we violate one principle in the law, we're guilty of the whole law. It is only Jesus. So the rule, the law, the guidelines, the requirements to win, is it has to come through the grace of Jesus Christ. Notice in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11. Galatians 3.11 says, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. Extending ministry. 
It's going to be accomplished by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be accomplished because we're living by faith and not by sight. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 21 is the, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if it had not, if it had been, I'm sorry, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. And so the law of God does not uh, frustrate the promises of God, but rather it points us towards Jesus Christ as the only means of a way that we are saved and how we grow and mature. Then Galatians chapter 5 in verse 4 says, Christ has become of, become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen by grace. Extend ministry. It requires of us to be fashioned lawfully. In other words, people need to be saved by grace through faith. People need to grow by grace through faith. It is not about trying to keep the law of God because no man has been able to keep the law of God. So we depend on Jesus Christ. It's pointing people completely to Christ. And so fashion lawfully. So we see Paul identifies generational, confrontational, recreational. And then in verse 6, notice provisional. The husbandman that laboreth must first I must be first partaker of the fruits. Notice, first of all, identity of laborer, the husbandman. Uh, who's doing the laboring? The husbandman. We labor for Jesus Christ. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, and 9. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And then he says this, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. So realize this, when we talk about extending ministry, commit thou to faithful men the things that you learn so they can teach others. We need to remind them that, wait a minute, you're the laborer in the field. You're the husbandman. You're the one that's oh, uh, taking care of the crop and nurturing the crop, and so identity of the laborer, but also the priority of the laborer. And he says he is to be first partaker. You know, Matthew 6.33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We need to be able to help others grow in the grace of the Lord so that they might seek the kingdom of God first. You know, we're so worried about elections and kingdoms and rulers and presidents and all this, that, and the other in this world, and yet we're a part of the kingdom who has a king reigning on it, who sits on the throne forever and ever, and that's Jesus Christ. And so we are to set a priority as a laborer that our labors, we are able to receive the reward. We're able to enjoy the first fruits, if you will. And uh, I'm thankful. I'll tell you, it has always been a blessing in my life uh, to reach out and extend myself to others. When I see somebody get saved, I'll tell you what, it thrills my heart.
when I see somebody that I led to the Lord, I disciple them or they get baptized or whatever, I'm telling you one thing right now. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad the priority of the labor is to be able to enjoy the fruit of his labors. And so the identity, identity of the laborer, the priority of the laborer, and then, of course, in our verse is the product of the laborer. In uh, verse 6, he must be first partaker of the fruits. Uh, there is a product. There is a fruit that remains. John 15, 16, Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I, uh, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you're to go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, it may be given you. Fruit. There is always a blessing that comes from God when you're willing to extend ministry to somebody else. Provisional. God takes care of us and provides for us. And then verse 7, here's concluding thoughts here. Verse 7 says, consider what I say. He said a lot in these three, four, or five verses he said, now I want you to consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. In other words, he said, I want you to comprehend the depth, the breadth, uh, the joy, the excitement, the impact that you have in extending ministry to others. He said, consider what I say. So first thing I put down here in conclusion is our consideration. You ought to take in consideration what the Bible says. You ought to take in consideration how it impacts your life. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So when we talk about our consideration, let's think of who is ultimately setting the example. Let's think of the one who ultimately has grown others in faith. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. The things that ought to be manifesting itself in our life are things that Jesus has already done on the face of this earth with his disciples. And he still is growing us in faith. And so we, our consideration. And then our instruction. He says, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. I'm thankful that the Lord will give us instruction and he continues to give us instruction today. I know this, I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've been a member of the church. Uh, we continue to grow by the instruction that's in the word of God. And the moment you stop growing, you need ministry extended to you again. Uh, in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 20, it says, And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And so Paul says, listen, uh, we need to extend to others the things that we have learned. And so let's take in consideration these things and let's follow the instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, let's just read this as we get ready to pray. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also, extending our ministry. 
In other words, taking the things that God has taught you and uh, graciously extending or giving them to someone else so that they might grow in their faith also. I really, ministry just comes down to that, is just we investing our lives into the lives of other people. Uh, who have you been witnessing to? Uh, who have you discipled? What, what, what's on your heart? What, what thrill do you have about the church reopening up within person worship of how you're going to allow your life to be surrendered through ministry in the church to help others grow in their faith? Well, let's bow in prayer. Extended ministry. Father, thank you so much that uh, someone reached out to us and we were saved. I'm thankful that someone reached out to us to help us understand baptism and church membership and growing in faith. I'm thankful, Lord, that those things that we have learned, we have been able to turn around and extend them to others that they might be able to grow. And Lord, may we be aware of the fact that in this time of COVID-19 with everyone being scattered everywhere, it is so desperately necessary for us to reconnect with one another. It is so desperately necessary that we invest our lives in others that they too might not just be saved, but that they might be growing and maturing and their life becomes vibrant and exciting as they extend their faith to others also. And I'm thankful, Lord, for this grace that is in us, this faith that builds us. I'm thankful for these opportunities that you give us, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we close, I just want to remind you once again about this next Sunday.